So today we're starting a brand new series called Thrive, and uh, I want to talk to you th this afternoon about this issue of a community that thrives or what our relationships look like. I'm very, very excited about this series. Um, at the end of every year, as we start a new year, God always gives me a word, and the way that I get that word is just going through my life journaling, some of the burdens that I have, some of the concerns that I have, and maybe some of the prayers that I have, and so God gives me a word, and this word comes out of Philippians 1.27 about a community that thrives to where we're able to strive side by side in community and just the power in that. And so today we're looking at this issue of Thrive starting off this new series, and we're talking about a community that thrives. In other words, when I look around, uh, there, there's a lot of people that really aren't thriving in life. You know what they're doing? They're, they're, they're surviving. In other words, they're not enjoying life. They're kind of enduring life. They're trying to get through life. But for them, if you ask them, if you talk to them, are you thriving, are you, stri are you surviving, they would talk to you about, you know what, I, I just don't know, or maybe I've been, I, I, I'm just surviving, I'm just trying to get through it. You know, when I look at my own life, sometimes it concerns me how quickly I can move from thriving to, strive, to, 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 to surviving, to where how quickly I can move, that one moment I'm like thriving and everything's going my way, and then all of a sudden something happens and it's like now I'm in the mode of just surviving. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through it. And here's the danger for believers. The danger is this, is that you can survive for so long you think that's as good as it gets. Do you know what? You think that's what life is. That life is not meant to be enjoyed, it's meant to be endured, that life is not something that you can thrive at because of circumstances, because of situations, because of things that we're going through, that you can come to the place and you go, you know what, we're just going to get through it. I'm going to survive in a marriage, I'm going to survive in relationships, I'm going to survive in the economy, I'm going to survive at a job, and if you're not careful, you can, you can survive for so long you think that's as good as it gets and you cannot ever imagine thriving in life the book of Philippians about this issue of how to thrive in all circumstances it, it's a powerful book it's it's a deep book that that you can thrive regardless of the situations regardless of the circumstances in life we're gonna learn a, a, just a deep thought that we're not really gonna flesh out until the next couple of weeks but we just need to start thinking that way you see when Paul wrote the book of Philippians you just gotta understand it was in difficult circumstances Paul was in jail. Paul was in a Roman jail. And their jails were much different than ours. I mean, their jails weren't as soft as ours, in other words. In other words, in their jails, in a Roman jail, they had no soft beds. They had no cable TV. They had no telephone. Uh, they had no free medical care, health care, dental care, anything like that. Fact is, their, their jails were much tougher than ours. Fact is, when you went into a Roman jail, you were chained to a Roman guard. I mean, you were chained to a Roman guard 24-7. In other words, it was just, it was dehumanizing. It was just embarrassing. It was just humiliating. And that's what they, that's what they desired to do. And so when, when, when Paul went into this jail, that all of a sudden they chained him 24-7 to a prison guard. And the guards would, would take rotation. But for the prisoner, you're always chained to someone. And so as a result of that, there's like no privacy. Uh, 
there's no privacy when you go to the restroom. There's no privacy when you sleep. There's no privacy when you eat. And you have no privacy. And so Paul is like in this situation, and all of a sudden, Paul begins to write. And you look at his life, and he's not discouraged. He's not in despair. He's not surviving. Fact is, when you look at him, he's thriving in the midst of his circumstances. Now listen, if you're like me, I want to know how to do that. I want to know how to get to the place in my life consistently to where I'm not just surviving, I'm not just enduring, but I'm like thriving in life. Now listen, let me tell you something. This is what we're going to flesh out in the next couple of weeks, but we've got to start thinking this way because it's kind of the deeper things of Philippians. The deeper things of Philippians is this. Paul would tell you, the book of Philippians would tell you, your ability to thrive has nothing to do with your circumstances. Your ability to thrive in life has nothing to do with your circumstances, has nothing to do with your situations, has nothing to do with what's going on in life. Your ability to thrive has to do with one thing. That's how you define life. And how you define life determines for you whether you're going to thrive or survive. See, Philippians 1.27, Paul tells us how he defined life. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. In other words, I thrive not because of my circumstances, not because of my situations, because I put things in proper order. And he says, for me to live, for me to live is Christ. In other words, this, the way in which you define life will determine whether you thrive or survive. For you to live is what? If you were to fill in that blank, don't use Paul's word, don't use Paul's blank, but, but, but if you felt, uh, filled in the blank, for me to live is for me to live is popularity. For me to live is everybody speaks well of me. For me to live is material things. For me to will, uh, live is a good job, a good marriage, good relationships. For me to live is like grandkids. Uh, for me to live is vacations. For me to live is sports. For me to live is hobbies. All, listen, let me tell you something. It's not that any one of those things are bad, but when they're misplaced priorities, it becomes bad. Because what happens is this, if you fill that in with anything other than Christ, when those things don't go well, you will no longer thrive, you will survive. In other words, if, if you come to the place in your life and say, you know what, for me, for me to live is friends. For me to live is friends, for me to live is relationships, for me to live is where everybody responds to me properly, appropriately, then I'm popular or whatever. Listen, if you fill in that blank with relationships, See, the problem is, is when the relationships are going well, you're going to thrive. But the, the difficulty is this. The opposite is true. When those relationships don't go well, and that's your blank, when the relationships are bad, then guess what? Life stinks for you. When relationships become strained, then all of a sudden life becomes difficult for you and you move from thriving to surviving. Or when you have problems in life or you have problems with people, they will suck the living joy out of your life. And so, so here's a question. Just here's a question. I mean, as, as we start this series, Paul has one question, wants to help us understand some things about people. And I'd ask you this question. Do you enjoy the people in your life? Do you enjoy the people? Okay, everybody look straight ahead. Nobody flinch. In a couple of service, uh, a couple of services, I had to break into marriage counseling because people were elbows looking at each other, and so, so okay, so let's do this again. So, so just look straight ahead. Do not flinch. Do not look at your neighbor. Do not look at your husband, your wife, your children, or anything. Okay. Do you enjoy the people around you? Okay? So, so do you enjoy if you're married? Do you enjoy your spouse? Uh, do you enjoy your children? 
Uh, do, you okay, do you enjoy your parents? Uh, do you enjoy the people that you work with? Do you, do you enjoy the people you go to school with? Do you enjoy the people that may be in your home? See, there's a lot of people when you get into this that they will tell you some things like, you know what, well, life for me, life for me is I don't really enjoy life. I endure life. And when I start thinking about people, I, I really don't like people. Fact is, for me, people are, are, are sometimes you just got to tolerate them. You kind of put up with them. You kind of endure them. And so you see, all of a sudden, they start using language. That's survival language. That's not language used of a person that's thriving. And Paul says about these relationships, about these friendships in your life, that it's possible to enjoy the people in your life if you put things in proper perspective. So here's what he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And then we're just going to walk through these verses together. Verse 3 says this as we just read on. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all. See, that's such a hard word for a Texan. We just say y'all. And so when I got to say you all, I always, it's just awkward to me. Um, I, anyway, Paul obviously wasn't a Texan, and that's probably good for you guys. So, verse 4. <coughs> always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership, okay, all of a sudden we see a, a, a community that thrives. A community that thrives together. We're in this together. We're striving side by side in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers. That's a community that thrives. We're in this together. We are thriving, and we are, and, and we are striving side by side with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness, it comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, I, so what does it take? What does it take to thrive in relationships? What does it take to enjoy people in your life? So Paul gives us four keys. And we're going to look at these four keys to enjoying people in your life, and then we're just going to take communion together as a church family, which was always said in Scripture that we do this in community. Because we're in this together, we have a relationship, and that's why you break the bread and, the, and, and drink of the juice together in community. So the first key, if you're going to enjoy the people in your life, the first one is this, be grateful. So the first one is just, just learn to be grateful. In other words, that would be the first key that the Apostle Paul gives us is to where we just learn to, to be grateful. In other words, we could phrase that a different way and we could say, just learn to be grateful for the good in people. I mean, it's so interesting to me. Paul says in verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all, not some, but I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. In other words, Paul would be that guy that says, you know what, I believe the best in you. I hope the best in you, and I believe the best. Listen, we, we have to get to the place in life where you just come to the place where we're going to believe the best in each other. I mean, Paul was that guy that says, you know what, when I think about you, I remember the good stuff. In other words, Paul was that guy that says, you know what, I remember the, I remember the good things and not the bad things. In other words, I remember the positive experiences. Listen, when you, when you think of people, when you think of the people around you, what do you remember? What do you think about them? Is all you see, do you see the bad stuff? 
Do you, think this, do you see the things they could do better, the things that you, that you wish they would do that they don't do? Do you see all the negative things? Or do you, when you look at them, do you see the good? Because here's the deal. When you begin to focus on the bad, when you, believe, when you begin to focus on the negative experiences of the people around you, it will keep you from being able to see that they can do anything good. See, Paul, Paul didn't have an easy time in Philippi. You, you, you can read this for yourself in Acts chapter 16. And uh, Paul is... Was, was in Philippi, but before Philippi, Paul and Silas were church planters. They were going around, they were planting churches, and, uh, and so God interrupted that and told them, go to Philippi. Paul goes to Philippi on the outskirts of the city. There's a lady there by the name of, of Lydia. She's a wealthy business, uh, businesswoman. She owned her own business. They lead her to the Lord. She becomes a Christian. She's like their first church member. And so she was wealthy. She had a large home, so she, like, resourced their ministry. They started a church in her house. The church begins to grow. All of a sudden, they reach a lady, another lady. They heal someone, and then all of a sudden, the community gets mad. And so they arrest Paul and Silas. They beat them. They throw them in prison. So Paul and Silas are, like, in prison. And all of a sudden, it's just an amazing story. In Acts chapter 16, at midnight, the Scripture says that Paul and Silas are worshiping. I mean, can you believe, they're, they're thriving in difficult circumstances. I don't know if you're like me. I need that. I want that. I want to understand how to do that. And so they're worshiping God, and, and they're thriving. God all of a sudden sends an earthquake. It, 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 it breaks open the doors. The chains fall off of the prisoner. The warden wakes up, and when he realizes what happened, he's about ready to kill himself. He takes out his sword. He's about ready to kill himself. All of a sudden, Paul yells out and says, don't do that. And so the warden says, why are you still here? Why didn't you run like the rest of the prisoners? And Paul told him, it's because you matter to God. Here's the guy that was in charge of Paul's imprisonment. And he says, because you matter to God. And they witness to the warden. The warden meets Christ. His family meets Christ. He's baptized. His family's baptized. And the church starts growing, and the church is growing. And then the community gets upset with Paul and Silas. And they kick him out of the city. And then years later, he's in a, in a prison in Rome. He's in another prison, and he's riding back. Listen, let me tell you something. Paul had painful memories. Not everything went well in Philippi for Paul. I mean, Paul was a pastor. People had talked about him. People betrayed him. People had done all sorts of things. And Paul had plenty of hurt and pain. But Paul is like, you know what I choose to remember? I choose to remember the good. The fact is, I thank God every time I remember you. Let, let me ask you do, you, do you dwell on the positive or the negative? Because if you're a type of person, you always d dwell on the negative, you're going to survive. You're not going to thrive. And Paul's, Paul, listen, Paul could have remembered, and he could have brought up all the painful memories. Everybody that had betrayed him, everybody that hurt him, but Paul did not do that. fact is, he chose. Listen, let me tell you something. Pleasant memories are a choice. You can choose to remember the good or the bad in people. It's your choice. Many weeks ago, I told you in a, in a sermon that, um, that I'd live-streamed a portion of Nancy Reagan's funeral. And that Patty Davis, who her daughter, uh, her and Ron Reagan's, Ronald Reagan's daughter, um, had a contentious, difficult relationship. And I've, I've literally done hundreds of, of funerals, and, and uh, I caught Patty Davis's eulogy of her mom. And you know what? I thought it was one of the most healthy eulogies that was honest and healthy that I've ever, like, ever heard. And so because of that, 
And because pleasant memories are a choice, and you choose what you remember, you choose whether you're going to remember the good or the bad. I, I would like to read, I got the transcript of Patty Davis's eulogy of her mom, and, and so I'd like to read a portion, and this is just a quote, this is what Patty Davis said. She said, it's no secret that my mother and I had a challenging and often contentious relationship. When I was a child, I imagined having warm, comfortable conversations with her, the kind of conversations that feel like a, like a lamp. The reality was far different. I tried her patience, and she intimidated me. We were never mild with one another. We were, whether we were distant and angry or bonded and close, our, our emotions burned up the color chart. Nothing was ever gray for us. But there were moments in our history when all that was going on between us was, was love. I choose. I choose to remember those moments. I choose to remember the mother who held the gaping wound on the back of her young daughter's head after she fell at a friend's house and cracked her skull open on the fireplace. She drove with one hand and held my head with the other, talking soothingly to me, trying to conceal the fear in her eyes. Watching her was hypnotic. It made my, hurt, my head hurt less. I choose. I choose to remember my mother framed by the window of a New York hotel room as I told her that I'd been involved in a complicated relationship for two years and now have been cruelly tossed aside. I was 19. I felt older and more wounded than any 19-year-old should ever feel. I needed a mother, and I came to mine, holding out fragile hope that she would keep me from crumbling beyond recognition. She did. She did not judge me. She, was pun she, was, she wasn't punishing or accusatory. She was tender and understanding and loving. I choose. I just choose to remember walking with my mom along the beach. Somehow the ocean always calmed the air between us and allowed us to be easy with each other. Most of all, I remember. I remember looking out the window to the sweep of a sunset and seeing my parents sitting together on the sand. Maybe on the other side there are endless shores and eternal uh, brilliant sunset. Maybe it's possible to sit there forever, undisturbed, two souls only needing each other. It's one of the most healthy eulogies I think I've ever heard. And so maybe, maybe you. Maybe you're holding on from the hurts of a past relationship. Maybe you're holding on with some hurts of, of the past. And because of that, I just need to tell you, if you're holding on to those hurts, it will not allow you to thrive today. It will not even allow you to enjoy the relationships that God has placed around you today because you're focusing on the bad, and you and I have to come to the place where we're just grateful, and we're grateful for the good in people because pleasant memories are a choice, and it's our choice what we focus on. In other words, Paul was this guy that would say, you know what, in life, I'm just going to remember the best, and I'm going to forget the rest. In other words, in other words, he got to this place, and listen, I'm not telling you that you should ignore the hurts and you should deny the hurts. Patty Davis didn't deny the hurts and the, the contentious relationship that she had with her mom. It, that would be psychologically unhealthy. But where you come to the place to where we're able to focus, man, we're just able to focus on the good of the, of the relationships that are around us and the strengths. See, one thing that Paul had come to appreciate in life was this issue of just loyalty. Loyalty in people, verse 5. 
because of your partnership community relationship because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now in other words Paul was saying you know what one thing I'm, I thank God that you were loyal it's hard to find a loyal friend right and we live in a time and we live in a culture that it's uh, and I don't know why it is even in Christian circles it is easier to, for people to to believe gossip and slander about you than the truth it's hard to find a loyal friend that when someone comes up to your friend and gossips about you or slanders about you or brings a bad report about you that they don't stop them and say you know what I believe the best in that individual that individual is my friend in fact is Matthew 18 tells me that you need to go to them and you need to deal with it with them but that's my friend I mean I mean when you look at this e listen even in church circles even in church life it is hard it is difficult to find someone that is just loyal to you to where their yes is always yes to where you can trust them and they have integrity and they believe the best in you and you're able to believe the best in you do you have anyone in your life that is loyal to you if you do I'm just telling you you're blessed because it's so rare and it takes so long to develop those relationships it takes so long listen I'm telling you it takes a long time to become old friends because it's over the seasons of life that you learn who's loyal to you and who's not it takes a long time to become old friends so the first thing Paul would say if you're gonna enjoy the people in your life you better learn to be grateful you better be able to see the good the second thing is this be prayerful in other words just understand what it means just to be prayerful in, in your life and how that relates to relationships verse 4 the scripture says this always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy in other words this Paul practiced something called positive praying and let me tell you something positive praying is more important or are more life-changing than than positive thinking and the quickest way in life to change a relationship from bad to good is to start thinking God for them thinking God for for the good in them and then praying for them and see this does two things one it changes your attitude but it also changes them then when, when someone comes up to you and says or, or and says they have a problem something going on in their life and you say I'll pray for you what do you pray see a lot of times we as Christians we're great at praying in crisis but how about on a daily basis? What do, you, what do you pray for the people closest to you on a, on a daily basis? Paul, here's Paul's prayer. In fact, is this prayer I've used so many times in ministry. If you've emailed me or stopped me and says, I, I need prayer, I've, I've actually prayed this prayer. I, it's one of the most powerful prayers I believe in relationships in Scripture. And here's what he said, verse 9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So there's four things about this prayer, just real quickly as we just kind of walk through this prayer. The first thing that, that Paul prayed for people out of this was he prayed that people would grow in love. In other words, that's what he said, that, that your love may, may abound more and more. In the Greek, that means to overflow. That in the Greek, that means like this tidal wave. In other words, the first thing that he prayed for people around him God, would you, would, you, would you grow their love? Would, would you just grow their love? The second thing he prayed was this. He, says, he said, Lord, would you give them the ability to make good choices or to make wise choices? That's why he said with knowledge and discernment. I mean, parents, this is probably one of the greatest prayers that you can pray for your children. 
that, that as they grow and as they mature, that their, their love would grow more and more and that they'd be able to make good choices. But it doesn't stop there. The third thing is this, is, is that they would, they would do the right thing. In other words, they'd come to the place in their life that they'd be able to do the right thing. It's one thing to make right choices. It's one thing to discern good from bad, good from evil, all of those other things. It's a totally another thing to follow through with your choices and follow through with your commitment. And so that's what he said, to be pure and blameless. It just means this, that they'd be able to live with a, with a good conscience. Not perfect, but they'd be able to live with a good conscience. And then he prayed that they would, they would live for God's glory with fruit of righteousness. In other words, that they, would, that they would just get to the point to where they would, they would be able to say, for me to live is Christ. And in that blank, I put Christ. That I understand that my life is to live for his glory. So Paul would tell us that, 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 that if you're going to enjoy people in your life, you've got to be grateful, you've got to be prayerful. And the third thing is this, man, you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. And I, man, I don't, I don't know if you're like me. I need patient people around, around me, Right? Don't you need patient people around you? I mean, has anybody in this room arrived? Is anybody in this room perfect? Is anybody in this room to where their, their, their love cannot grow anymore? They make all the right decisions. They make all the right choices and all of those other things. You know what? All of us are progressing, right? And all of us are progressing in this Christian life. And so we all need people around us. And sometimes, I don't know why it is, sometimes we're harder on people that we love the most. And Paul's like, you know what, if you want to really enjoy people around you, learn to be patient. In other words, just to believe the best and whether expect the best. And whether. Verse 6 is just a powerful verse where Paul says, and he says, I'm sure of this. In other words, I'm confident of this, that he who, speaking of God, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. You know what Paul's saying? Paul is saying this, when you become a Christian, God's not going to quit on you. The day you become a Christian, he starts a work in your life. And he's the one that's going to complete it. He's a, What God starts, God finishes. Listen, people may quit on people. But God does not quit on people. people. Listen, people may quit on God. But God doesn't quit on people. The work that God began in my life when I met him, he's going to complete. Even with all of my sin all of my problems, all of my hang-ups, all of my circumstances, all of my bad decisions that I face in life, and guess what? Yours too. And the question is, are you going to let him? Are you going to cooperate with him and work with him and understand that, guess what? He's, he's doing a work in your life, and he's doing a good work in your life. See, Paul understood this even, even in difficult circumstances, and I think sometimes as believers, that's what we have problems with. Paul's in prison. Paul was called, and he, his dream was to be a church planner. He's no longer able to be a church planner. He's in prison. And he writes this wor these words. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so let me just tell you, even in the difficult circumstances that you're walking through, or even in the difficult circumstances you may be in, this, in, in today, can I just tell you this? God's doing a good work in you. You may not like it, I may not like it. Paul didn't like it, but Paul understood that guess what? Even in difficulty, God is working in my life. Even when I don't like it, I don't understand it. But here's the other powerful thing that Paul wanted us to understand about this verse is this, is Paul understood that it's only God that changes people. 
listen, just so we're clear, just so we're tracking, people are not your project. Your husband is not your project. Your wife is not your project. Your kids aren't your project. Your boss isn't your project. People that you worked with aren't your project. Your friends aren't your project. Listen, just so we're tracking, you do not have enough power to change people. Don't ever get a God complex. For all of a sudden, you think, you know what? I'm the Holy Spirit of everybody's life. I'm the Holy Spirit of my, of my family's of our home, I'm the Holy Spirit of the church, I'm the Holy Spirit of my friends. Listen, do not, do not ever get that God complex because Scripture is clear that people don't change people. God changes people. And you know what? That should set you free this morning because you understand and you can understand it's not my job. See, I don't have to carry any stress when they don't respond appropriately because it's not my job to change people. That's God's job. And Paul understood this and Paul got this, but Paul also understood Nobody was hopeless. That God began a good work in them, and he will complete it. In other words, Paul understood that, guess what? We're all on, on this journey together. And listen, God is not finished with people. God is not finished with me, and he's not finished with you. And as a result of that, we cut each other slack. As a result of that, we have patience with one another. As a result of that, we understand. Listen, and people around you, they may not be progressing at a rate that you think they should. That's God's business. And under, come to the place in your life that you can just be grateful. Something about ministry, because of some of the situations that we deal with, helps you to understand that your life could always be worse. Your situation could always be worse. And something happens when we focus on the bad and not the good. We think that we got the worst situation in the history of the world. And learn to focus on the, on the good. Man, and God says, what I started in you and what I started in your husband and your wife or your children or your friends or your relationships, what I started in them... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete. See, our mistake a lot of times is we judge people by, by how, far they, how far they have to go rather than how far they've, they've come. And so Paul would say that learn, learn to be grateful, learn to be prayerful. And the last thing is this, is, is learn, to be, learn to be loving. Learn to be loving. I think the reason, just as a pastor and just observing people, I think the reason so many relationships are crumbling is because people respond to people out of their mind and not out of their heart. See, a heart love, what, what Paul's talking about is, is this comes out of understanding. Then when you understand a person when they're difficult or when you understand a person that they're, they're hurtful, that if you, can, if you can understand what's beneath the surface and you can understand their heart, it makes it easier. I mean, you, you can always talk about the person who's a jerk at work, right? And so why is, that, why, is that person, why is that person a jerk? Well, you may, you may not know their background. Fact is, you may not even understand the issue, the hurt, and the pain. You may not even understand what pain they're bringing to the office. You may not understand the pain that they're bringing to, to church. 
you may not understand the pain that they are carrying or the burden that they're carrying. That individual that you think is such a jerk at work, they may be a ton better than they were like 10 years ago. You know, we in, in, our, in, our, in our house, we, uh, we watch Idol and we watch a little bit of, of The Voice. Uh, we like those shows. And what's interesting to me in Idol uh, and The Voice, but what's interesting to me in Idol is that is it when, when, they tell the, the, when they tell the singer's story and you hear what they've come out of, the home that they've come out of, the situation, they've, some of the things they've carried, all of a sudden it makes their voice better to you, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden you know what they've overcome. You know the challenges that they faced. See, this is the same. See, it's so easy to just so quickly judge somebody. And we don't even know the hurt and the pain that they're carrying. Paul says this in verse 8, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul's saying. He's talking about a supernatural type of love. See that word affection, the definition of the Greek, kind of a strange definition, but it really means intestines. In other words, this Greek thought was this, that the deepest form of love came within the intestines, came within your, your organs, came down deep in your bowels, so this is, way that, this is a way that they would say, I love you deeply. I have, a, I, have a, I have a very, very deep love for you. See, this love, what Paul says, was, was not something that's just manufactured. It's not something that's fake. It's not something that's worked, worked up. But this is a supernatural type of love because we know this, right? Human love wears out. Human love dries up. But God's love, God's love doesn't dry up. And that's why we need a supernatural love for people. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to close before we take communion in just a few moments. I'm going to close with a very personal story. And I understand as a pastor when I share these stories, I understand the criticism can, that can come. Uh, but, but I also think, you know what, uh, it's, I think it's just so important to be transparent uh, even at the risk of being wrongfully criticized. But just want to tell you a story. Um, I, I write these sermons, you know, hopefully four weeks ahead of time. Sometimes it gets down to two weeks, but we, we do sermon-based life groups here, so that means it has to go to Pastor Tom, and, and they have to write the curriculum and get it in. And so I actually wrote this sermon four weeks ago, and God began dealing with me with this sermon about just be grateful, look at the good, and be prayerful, and, 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 and be loving, and all those other things. And there's an individual, a man, that several years back who had hurt me deeply. He had, betray he had betrayed me. He had lied about me. Uh, he gossiped about me. I, I lost a lot of great friends. I lost a lot of, well, so-called friends. I lost a lot of relationships. And, and it, just, it just hurt me. It, it hurt me deeply. And, um, and, and when I look back on the relationship, when I look back on our friendship, all I could remember was, was the bad. And so now I'm working through this sermon and I'm processing through this sermon and I'm trying to understand it and I'm doing it in relation to him and some others. And, and about two or three weeks after I'd finished this sermon, uh, I, ran in, I ran into that individual in public. God saw fit. And so I ran into this individual and so we're in like this crowded area and I look and, and, and there he is and he saw me, I saw him. And so, the, he, I mean, he like froze. He's like... And, uh, and before this sermon, let me just tell you what I, what I wanted to say to him because I always envisioned that day that I'd get to see him again. And so I, I, I thought, here's what, I'm just going to ask him a question. And the question is, hey, 
are you still lying about me? Don't look at me like you've never thought that. <laughs> Don't, do not leave me hanging. I'm not the only one, right? Okay. I'm, I'm sorry if you're so disappointed in your pastor now that I cannot believe he had that thought. I had it. I, I was going to act out on it. And uh, I couldn't wait for that day. And so I saw him. And I'd been thinking about all the good in the relationship. And it, you know what? It wasn't manufactured. It wasn't something worked up. I almost did it without even thinking. I just walked over, stuck out my hand, and said, hey. He said, he said hi. He said, how you doing? And so I told him a little bit about my family. I said, well, how are you doing? And he started telling me all the problems that they're going through as a family. And so I says, well, I says, you know, if you ever, if you ever need me, I'd do whatever I could to help you. That's when you thrive. That's how we're supposed to live. To where not going through life, thinking how can I get even and how can I pay them back and all I can think of is the bad. Because I'm telling you, when you think of all the bad, they don't even know what you're thinking and it destroys you and not them. That's why communion is just so important. And so our ushers are going to make their way to the back as we get ready to, as they get ready to begin passing out the bread and the, and the juice. Communion was always designed to be done in community, in relationships. And so we're going to take communion today as, as a church family. And so the ushers are going to begin passing out the bread and the, and the juice. And in just a few minutes, the plates are going to become being passed by you. There's two cups on, one, on top of the other. You'll grab both cups and uh, hold them there in place. And then we'll take of the bread and we'll take of the juice in a, a few moments. But the Apostle Paul in, 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 in the book of Corinthians writes about this time and says, before you take of the bread and you take of the juice, that you need to examine your life so it doesn't bring judgment to the body. And you know what he was talking about? You examine your relationships. Examine your relationships with God and examine your relationships with one another. Because depending on how you handle your relationship with one another, it can affect a church, it can affect a family, it can affect a body. And so as the ushers begin passing out the bread and the juice, you'll just hold those two cups in place, and we'll take together in a, just a few moments. But I just want to give you a few moments just to focus on God, focus on your relationship with Him and your relationship with others, and what is your next step.
I just really feel impressed just to make a statement that when when I asked you the question earlier and I asked you a question and said do you have a loyal friend if you said no I just want to correct you that if you're in Christ if you're a believer you have a loyal friend and his name is Jesus Christ And even though we may give up on him, even though we may quit on God, he doesn't quit on us. And that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. He will finish in you what he started. Scripture tells us on the night when Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and that he broke it and he handed it to disciples and he said, he said, this is my body. In other words, this bread represents my body, which is for you. And then it's just so fascinating to me. And then he said, do this, do this in, in remembrance of me. Our memories are powerful. What we choose to focus on and what we choose to remember is powerful. And so we just remember when we met him and what, what that was like. We remember when he went to the cross and he gave up his life willingly. No one took his life from him but he laid it down willingly for us so that we have a relationship with a holy and a righteous God so that we could be forgiven and eternal life. He said, you remember. Those are the things you, you remember. So before we take of the bread, let me pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love and we just thank you for your grace. Father, we just thank you for the power of your word and your name and just the ability to take of the bread and the juice in community. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me, please? Scripture goes on to say that Jesus took the, the cup, the juice. And he talked about the new covenant and that forgiveness is in the blood. And so the Scripture teaches us and tells us that without the shedding of blood, there'd be like no forgiveness of sin. And that because of his blood on the cross, we're totally and completely forgiven. It's because of that that we have been set free from sin and from the past. And it's because of that that we can thrive because of who we are in Christ. Let's pray before we take of the juice. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for your love and we thank you for what you did for us on the cross because we didn't deserve it. And you offered salvation to us even though we couldn't earn it. We could not live a good enough life to deserve it. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. And, Father, we look forward to the day when you're going to complete the work and we see you face to face. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just one more time? And let me just ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, how does he want you to respond? What is your next step? Do you need to learn how to be more loving or grateful or maybe just patient with the people that are around you? Maybe this afternoon you can say, you know what, I, I just have a prayer request. I'm carrying this burden. I just have a request. I need someone to pray for me. Well, we want to pray for you this morning or this afternoon. We and so in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, I'm going to invite you that if you need prayer in any area of your life, we just want to pray for you. 
So after I pray and we stand, as you stand up, if you need prayer in any area, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. You're not going to walk alone. People be walking with you. This is a safe place. We do this at the close of every one of our services. This may be your first weekend with us, and that's okay if you respond to this. You do not have to be a member here to respond in prayer. But if you need prayer in any area, we have story after story what God has done in the front of this room when people just simply humbled themselves and, and prayed. So if you need prayer, after I pray and we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for your love, and we just thank you for just the power of Christian community that we can just gather and just in your presence and just worship you. And so, Father, we ask that you just pull this church very closer to you, that we would respond to you, and that prayers would just be answered and people would find encouragement and comfort and support as they draw closer to you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.